when are we going to get like uh, intro music like uh, other podcasts have? Do we really need intro music? What kind of intro music do you want, Bruce? If you can compose it. Oh, yeah, that's... That's uh, we need something in the way of our sort of dry demeanor. Yeah, actually, it would be. Yeah, we could have like a like a kind of like a old style like news where we have this like little blurb of that like terrible like orchestral music for like two seconds and then. Yeah, see, people would want something martial and bombastic, mm-hmm. and that's really not me. I'm not a martial bombastic guy. All right, I'd want something that's like a, a calliope, maybe. <laughs> that's a very that's a very Troy Goodfellow instrument, the calliope. Circuit. That's pronounced calliope. Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the Once in a Future official podcast of FlashofSteel.com, coming to you on the Idle Thumbs Network. This is the first show of 2013, and we've been off the air for a couple of weeks because the holidays make things kind of crazy. With me today are two of our regular panelists and two of my favorite people we have from Gamers with Jobs, Mr. Julian Murdoch. I'm one of your favorite people? You, you need a better today. class of friend. That's what that says to me. I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> and also, uh, Dr. Bruce Garrick. I figure we should start uh, 2013 by looking at the last great game of 2012, a game that I've written about in the blog and that Bruce has reviewed for Tom Chick's site, uh, Quarter to Three. And this is the second iPad game we've talked about uh, in recent months, second really good one, and that is from Shenandoah Studios' Battle of the Bold game, a game we all like quite a bit. Now, Julian, you haven't uh, published anything about this yet, as far as I know. No, I haven't. I mean, you guys have already piled on here, so I'm not sure how much more uh, how much more there is to say. I mean, I, I, I've read what you guys have written about it, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I initially fell in love with this game very quickly, and then over time have have sort of backed off that initial love uh but i'm i'm curious whether or not you guys i think you guys sort of went through the opposite uh arc with this but i'm not sure well, do you want to start by explaining your process or explaining the game and uh your initial love and maybe some of the waiting sure i mean it it is it, you know it's a very uh abstracted version of the battle of the bulge right it's operational in scope you're moving whole units of tanks and units of infantry um sort of at the same scale i would guess as unity of command roughly at least it feels that way to me um and and the sort of core can it, it actually it, it bears a lot in common with unity of command when you look at it although not necessarily in terms of how it plays right it's got a very beautiful interface um it's a you know i go you go style uh war game where you know you've got a certain number of activations for all of your units where i guess actually you get you activate all of your units but you do them one at a time then your opponent does one and then you do one and then your opponent does one um so it lends itself to fairly quick play because you're only ever deciding what immediate turn you're going to take um, it has uh, the concept of supply in it, and that's something I think we'll probably talk uh, a bit about, certainly not at the level that something like Unity of Command does. Um, and, and I've found it to be surprisingly engaging. It is very simple. Um, you're only playing the sort of two versions of the Battle of the Bulge scenario of a short version and a long version, uh, and you're either playing one side or the other, and that's pretty much it. You're not customizing units. You're not building your own force to try to do this with. You're getting what is sort of a quasi-historical allocation of forces and reinforcements and going head-to-head and beating each other up. And uh, I've I've found it very entertaining and more strategic than I probably would have thought. 
yeah, I mean, I I I was actually um, I didn't find the game. I I was very put off initially by the AI. I mean, from the very sort of uh, beginning of of my play of the game, I felt that uh, the AI was pretty flawed. And so I uh, I was playing it in a way that was to me very similar to um, the way I would approach Unity Command. I think, like Julian said, they have they both have a lot of uh, similarities, uh, but their approaches are ultimately their design approaches are completely different. Um, and uh, I was playing it like it was Unity Command, and it's not at all like Unity Command. Um, it, it's basically a really tightly balanced multiplayer game that has AI in it. And Unity Command is a very tightly tuned solo game uh, that can be played as a multiplayer game. And I think that uh, this solo game in Battle of the Bulge and the multiplayer game in Unity Command uh, both really suffer as a result of the design decisions that were made. Um, and, And... that's not to say that that's necessarily bad. I mean, these these games were designed, I think, for a specific, uh, with a specific purpose, and I think both games completely achieve that purpose. But they don't uh, they don't really have uh, much to offer uh, for a player that's looking for the opposite thing from that particular game. Is the AI your biggest problem with a single player game in uh, Bulls? Yes, I mean completely. I mean the 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 but but it will never be fixed. That's the problem. I mean the AI will never ever be able to play this game like a really good human. Uh, and that's... well, what, why 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 do you say that versus say any other strategy game that has an AI? What do you think is what is there about this design which makes it un AIable, or do you just don't believe they'll ever put the energy into? Rewriting the AI. Well, a I I don't I'm not an AI uh, programmer, and I don't know a lot about AI programming specifically. So the only way that I can answer that question is based on my experience with other games. And my experience with other games is that the way that they balance the uh, uh, single player experience with AI is that they either give the AI bonuses or they make the game so complex that it takes a long time to f- actually figure out what's going on, at which point you master the game and then beat the AI, uh, or you make the situation or scenario such that the victory conditions are difficult to achieve as a single player. And having simply having a straight-up game where uh, both players are um, sort of have an equal... where the game is very balanced, both players have a sort of equal chance to win given optimal play... Uh, but the the game plays very differently from the two sides. Um, I've never really come across a game like that. That's a war game that is um, that really plays well. Um, course and po- the the course and pocket and the the um, the uh, SSG games I think are the cl- ones that come closest to that. But uh, um, I've never really been able to uh, to say for sure that those games are balanced. Um, because I haven't played them enough. I mean, I've played them, but I haven't played them enough to really get a good sense of how tightly balanced those games are as multiplayer games. Um, but I do know that th- I think this one is very balanced as a multiplayer game, and uh, I'm not convinced that an AI is ever going to be able to play this game. And I definitely don't think that uh, Shenandoah Studio is going to spend a lot of time trying to tune an AI that I think. I mean, I just think it's a. I just think it's a lost cause. Uh, and we're probably getting ahead of ourselves. We haven't really explained the game uh, in any great detail uh, beyond Julian's um, discussion of it. Because so there are a lot of great 
AI aside, a lot of interesting design decisions. Yeah. Um, in at the higher level in Battle of the Bulge, uh, the sector movement, the moving one sector of units at a time instead of moving everything at once, and then having somebody else take their turn. Um, is this something you've seen a lot in other games? Because it's not something that I've encountered quite very very often outside of chess. You mean the 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 sort of back and forth impulse uh, thing? Yeah, I mean that's that's actually an old old system that had been used in multiple different games. I mean there was then there's different ways to do it. I mean I, I guess you could say that you know things like Great Battles of Alexander. I mean that was uh, that old I Magic game, uh, really well done port of the yeah. uh, of the board game. I mean that's basically how that game worked. You had you had uh, uh, alternating activations. Uh, yeah. you have um uh, it, it's it's pretty common like tide yeah. of iron on the board game world yeah. um plays that way and and it actually i think sort of shares a lot of feel uh with uh, i was trying to think of the best board game comparable i could make to this because it certainly feels like a board game in a lot of ways um and it does have a lot in common with tide of iron in that sense that you've got uh, you know, Todd of Iron sort of squad base, so you're zoomed way in and you're taking over right. cities. It's more ASL style, right. um, but but that sense of activation and and exhaustion feels very much that you know that I go you go I go you go I go you go, um, you know, which I actually really like because yeah. it makes yeah. the game feel much more um, organic than you know if you played this game in just turns mm-hmm. you know it would be seven eight turns right one person would right. do with all their stuff and, right. and this really gives you the opportunity to react tactically right. um and I, you know i think i basically agree with you bruce i do think this is it's really a multiplayer game and you know the ai is great for learning it right i mean that's fine right. um right. but after you've sort of you know one one game against the ai you're probably going to keep winning games against the ai right you know sort of once you sort of figure out the nut of the game yeah I think that so the, the to just to address the question you were talking yeah I agree you know tide of iron things like that um, but I mean that that system is so prevalent um, the uh, Courtney Allen Don Green I mentioned this over and over I, th- I just love those games uh, Storm over Arnhem uh, Thunder Casino Turning Point Stalingrad which I think was the first one where you actually had a variable end to the turn so you roll mm-hmm. the dice and uh, you the, the 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 day could end and you didn't you know, the 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 more impulses you played the more likely the game was to the turn was to end but you could go forever or it could just end right there um, yeah. that's an interesting thing that's in in battle of the bulge where uh, your the the days are of variable length and you never quite know uh, when the um, when the day is going to end and you can use that to your advantage I actually just won a game a multiplayer game where uh, I snuck a unit across the uh, Meuse River, and uh, the 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 day ended, and the, my opponent didn't have a chance to respond. And that's not a, that's not a flaw, by the way. That's actually, I think, part, yeah. part of the game. But um, you know, this variable activation. I mean, pa- I mean, things like Paths of Glory, any any card based game where you have individual, uh, you know, you, you activate one area, play a card, and then the other player does the same thing. So, I mean, that's a very very common system. Um, uh, but the the thing that uh, that I'll just describe the game a little bit. It's you know it's an area movement game, so that is immediately. I mean, I remember there was there was a time back when I was playing games when I was you know much younger. Um, I remember reading something in uh, Avalon Hill General, which was the magazine of of, uh, of the Avalon Hill uh, board game uh, community, which uh, some guy wrote that he was you know. Wrote a letter to the editor where he was really excited about some game, but then he found out it was going to be area movement, and so he lost all interest. And that there was this sort of this 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 bias 
uh, or this prejudice against games that didn't have hexes or games that weren't complex. And the thing that really that I, I really admire about uh, Butterfield's Battle of the Bulge, and by the way, we're, you know, we're sort of way jumping ahead of ourselves, but John Butterfield yeah. is uh, a very accomplished designer. He's been designing games for decades. Um, he's designed some of the best um, uh, solitaire board games uh, that I've ever played, including RAF Ambush, which I think we talked about um, yep. a couple episodes ago. Um, he's done a ton of great work, and uh, I mean, he's really he's just a fantastic designer, and um, he and he's designed some some pretty traditional designs, but uh, he's also designed some really really. Um, uh, I think Voyage of the Pandora was one of his. Anyway, point being, uh, this really shows you how. Uh, how weird it is to come up against a game that really, in many ways, I mean, it's really a pretty, I would say, um, it, it's it's not really innovative from a design standpoint in almost any way. When my, my review, which uh, hopefully will be linked at the bottom of the podcast, um, is... Uh, mentions the fact that um, it's very, very similar to a, a GMT game that's over 10 years old called um, uh, Tigers in the Mist, which has almost right. exactly the same kind of system. It's a, it, it's not, it's definitely not, you know, I go, you go, I go, you go in that sense, but there, there are a limited number of impulses. Um, but it treats, it's an area movement game that treats uh, all, basically all armor is one sort of, uh, strength and infantry is a different class i mean there's not a lot of of um uh you know differentiation between units this this game does the same thing uh for for with very good uh you know sort of to very good effect um and so the the game actually itself you know you roll dice you know for each strength point you roll a die to to try to hit the the enemy i mean it's it's very i hate to use the word um standard but th- there aren't really any crazy uh you know amazing uh you know mechanics innovations in the game but it- but that's part of what i love about it yeah right i mean i mean it's like it, it, the first game that i played of this was like putting on a pair of you know well-worn jeans straight out of the dryer exactly right? i mean it just yes. i immediately understood all of the core concepts right you yeah. know i mean you can if you've played any war games on paper ever right. in your life you will understand what's going on in this game within your first four turns right um what this game does is brilliantly bring that core experience to this specific device. I mean, this is, I I honestly feel it's not hyperbole to say this may be the best designed iPad game yet, meaning it really is designed from the ground up to be played in exactly that amount of space using exactly the controls that are available to you with all of the things that an iPad is good for, avoiding all of the things that an iPad is bad at, you know, the multiplayer just works and pops up your turns and, uh, you know, it's got just the right level of detail on the screen all the time, but really does let you dig way in if you really want to read all this, you know, miscellaneous stuff. It's got sort of gratuitous multimedia, right? <laughs> Little videos that play for <laughs> no reason whatsoever, but it never gets in the way. And right. it, it, to me, that's the the joy of this game is that it's it's a little bit like 
you know, you, you go to a craft fair and somebody has, you know, made a wine goblet, right? A glass blower. And it's like, it's still just a wine goblet. But if somebody has made something with so much care that you can just look at it and say, holy crap, I now understand the craft of making a wine goblet. That's what this feels like. This is a finely crafted game. But yeah. you're right. It's not innovative. Right. And I didn't mean that in, in, in any, you know, pejorative sense. I mean, it, it's it, everything you said, I completely agree with. I mean, the game, the game is so designed for the iPad, right? I mean, if there were, it was really funny to read. I was reading the um, quarter to three message boards, uh, I think it was earlier today. And um, a, a longtime gamer and uh, guy I know, uh, Jeff, uh, had... Um, posted saying that he had just tried the game and he was really enjoying it and he just wanted to know was there any um was there a way to get detailed info on the units and i thought you know what every single piece of information there there is no detailed info to get every single piece of information that you need is presented to you completely flat in the sense of that you don't ever have to access a menu to find out you know how strong is this unit? What types of the unit? You know, how much? Everything is right there. The the number of, of uh, strength pips it can take in damage, how many times it fires in combat. You know how many, uh, uh, what its percent chance to hit is because you know the type of unit, you know the bonuses it's going to get. Um, there, there's no reason ever to dig through any interface to get additional information that's going to that's gonna take you out of the game. And it's it's a perfect just I reiterate what Julian said it's an it's a, such an amazing example of somebody designing to uh, a device and and the thing that I try to point out in in uh, in my review is that um, you know there are examples of really good interf- well there are a few examples of a real of really good interfaces in war games and I think the SSG games are uh, are really good, well-designed interfaces. The problem is that the systems that they're trying to um, that they're trying to handle, the systems themselves are very clunky and not conducive to a smooth gaming experience. So you know you have to figure out well, you know how many specialist steps does this guy have attached? Uh, you know can he repair the bridge? Uh, you know does this unit get in divisional integrity bonus you know where you know where are all the regiments of this uh division and you know how far out of you know are, are the in supply how worth the headquarters things like that are so um they they bog down gameplay so much that no matter how good your interface is you know the fact that you're forcing the player to account for all that makes it difficult to play smoothly and right by putting it on the ipad you the player comes at comes at it with an expectation that things are going to be smooth whereas on the computer you're sort of expecting oh you know i should be able to click on this and get more information because it's a computer and you feel cheated if you don't have a whole bunch of detail under it here if you had a whole bunch of detail under it, it would just be annoying and uh, it would slow you down and 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 they've just they've made all the perfect decisions with the game and uh, and furthermore uh they've made a multiplayer game out of it in which i mean i i really think based on the system uh, that they've chosen, which has a fair amount of variability in it. I mean, you can have an attack in one game that goes swimmingly and in another game fails completely, and those two things will change the rest of the game because of the limited uh, limited number of impulses, the, 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 um, the uh, cascade of events that happen after a certain combat result 
change the game in so many ways that you, that you really you every every game kind of goes down a different a different avenue. I mean, if, if even one random event like one commando attack on a tank can just stall an entire uh, attack uh, plan in one game, another game that might not happen at all. Uh, right. So there is quite a bit of variability within the system, well, which is nice to see. But but it doesn't feel random. I I feel it. No. it's important to say that. Right, this is not yes. a game. You know, this is not. I mean, you know, one of the flaws that I have some with some sort of card based systems, right? Unless they're extremely well refined, um, is that even more than a game that involves rolling tons of dice like ASL, you roll so many dice in ASL that it tends to average out. You'd still get fluke events, but in general. Uh, my sense is I don't consider ASL a random game. A lot of card-based games, when they get simplistic and you're you're sort of pulling your actions or your reinforcements or something out of a deck, you can truly get screwed because it's like, well, I just need to get a paratrooper. I've got eight paratroopers in the deck. I've got 12 cards left. And you go five turns and you don't get a paratrooper, right? I mean, things like that can happen. This game never seems to feel that way, right? Which is surprising because... There is some level of randomness in it, and it is very simple, right? There, You are only dealing with a very small handful of unit types on a very static board that never changes. There isn't really anything here to add complexity, which can give you the illusion of randomness because you just don't pay attention to the complexity, or anything that really feels truly random. So, I, I mean, I'm sort of curious. Yes, I agree, you can try the same strategy three or four times, even against the same opponent, and get very different results. Why is it that it doesn't feel like you're just playing chess here? What is it that's giving it that variability? Because I don't see it in the systems. Well, I mean, I think it's to me it seems clear is that very small changes in outcome all they, they sort of snowball into very different changes in overall gameplay. Which is that you know if if you you have a certain number of like as the as the as the Germans, you have a certain number of units that you really can't afford to lose. And if you take one hit in one combat and you take another hit in another combat, and individually it seems almost trivial, right? Oh yeah, you know, I, I, I wiped those guys out, I took, you know, I inflicted five hits and I took one. Next combat, I inflicted, you know, four hits, wiped out that unit and and took a hit. Further on in the game, you know, two, three days into the campaign, all of a sudden you have, you know, an elite armor unit that's down to three hits. It changes the entire way you have to play the rest of the game and have to sort of respond to the allied counterattack because uh, and another brilliant uh, device that this game has uh, sort of uh, incorporated is it switches the the goals of the player uh, about a little under halfway through the game. Um, where the um, the Germans who are on the attack all of a sudden have to defend, and the Allies who are on the defense all of a sudden have to attack, uh, which is how it happens in you know some bulge games. Some bulge games actually take the German, uh, sorry, the Allied counterattack out of the equation because it's it's sort of this abrupt shift and it's difficult to design. Um, but the uh, Battle of the Bulge does a great job. Basically, what it does is it it has a, a variable victory point uh, threshold where the threshold is very high for the Germans to win and it all of a sudden starts coming down. And so that it puts the allies under the clock to try to, um, to, try to basically um, uh, knock down the German victory points. The problem is that the allies don't have any way to gain victory points except by, def- by uh, 
killing just, units. Yeah, yeah, killing units. And and they can keep the Germans from from gaining victory points by controlling objectives, but the Germans are the only ones that actually ever gain victory points. So the combination of having to kill units and not, and sort of uh, evict the Germans from objectives that they're continuing to accumulate victory points for uh, forces the uh, Allies to sort of take this different stance halfway through the game. And then the Germans all of a sudden were, you know, they were using these um, very powerful uh, armored units to, you know, for attack after attack after attack. And all of a sudden they become these brittle sort of, you know, uh, porcelain vases that you cannot possibly risk in combat because, you know, you lose the, you know, first SS Panzer and you lost seven victory points, which could knock you out of the game. Um, So I think that the reason that the game plays out so differently is that, you know, you have four or five combats in a turn, a couple of those, you get an extra hit. And then the next day, you know, a couple extra, you you distribute those hits among a, a very sort of limited universe of units and just a couple small changes on the third day all of a sudden, by the time that adds up on the fourth day, you're playing a very different game and you're moving units to different places because you're accounting for sort of things that from the outside, from just a casual observer, it, it wouldn't look any different. And I, it was it struck me when I was looking at um, some screenshots that people were posting and I was looking at what I, th- you know, I thought were two completely different games. I mean, it was clear that the games were completely different. But then I was thinking, you know, an outside observer might think, oh, yeah, this game looks pretty much like that game, and the screenshots kind of look similar. But from a gameplay perspective, they're completely different games, and the history of those games was different, and what you're actually looking at is very different, and it means very different things, but there are only subtle differences that'll tell you, and you really have to know the game to appreciate that. Right, you have to know that you know there's a big difference between having these two you know, low-value infantry units standing next to your fat tank and having the slightly higher ones. It's right. like all of a sudden, you know, you're you're attacking with a force of nine instead of a force of six. Right. And that That is a game-changing amount of force Absolutely. in this game. Yes. Um, or you actually manage to get to a nice defensible wooded hex before your opponent, and therefore you can just sort of turtle down because the defensive, ma- you know, defense really matters here. Again, right. the systems are so simple yeah. that everything really does matter, right? Getting into a city first can be the difference between winning and losing the whole game, right? Yes. I mean, the, you know, I've had plenty of games that really just revolve around the Siege of Bastogne and, you know, which, you know, is a historically great thing to be playing with, right? I mean, how many times have we done that? Right. Right. It's a little bit like Pickett's Charge, right? I mean, it's a classic engagement. You go back and forth. You, you war game it a thousand times. Right. Um, and and that difference between whether or not you're, you know, if you're playing on the on the German side, whether or not your uh, allied opponent, you know, manages to actually get a defendable force into Bastogne early enough in the game to really hold it, or whether you can sort of just race forward and grab it right off the first day, that's all that that can be the whole game right there. Um, and that's really satisfying as a gamer, right, to be faced with those kinds of situations. Although I think we should point out this is not really a particularly historical game. No, not uh, at all. Um, no. You know, it's playing on the battlefield of the Battle of the Bulge. Um, and it's it, it's fun to have those things. But, uh, you know, this is uh, I think you pointed this out in your review. You know, this is not one of history's more balanced engagements to start with, right? right? It's notoriously difficult to create a historical simulation of this. It would have to be one of those things where you play, you know, ten games, and if you could do better than eight to two, you could, should consider it a victory. Right, I agree. 
But it does capture, you know, as I wrote in my post, you know, some of the historical feeling, at least, of the battle, where there is a lot of risk-taking. The Germans especially have to take a lot of risks, and the Allies are off-balance at, at the beginning, and there's a lot of... If, even if it, I mean, you, you, whatever happens will look nothing like the actual Battle of the Bulge. Okay? But there's a, it does sort of evoke many of the decisions, many of the, I don't want to say emotions, uh, but many of the command uh, impulses, I would think, uh, that, that a good Bulge game should try to have more than just, well, how many tanks do I have? How many soldiers do I have? But my God, what do I have to do now? Uh, sort I of think stuff. the game designs, I think that, I mean, it just, I I don't want to like go, go crazy about how great the design is, but I think it's too late for that. So, um, I mean, the way that the game puts every puts all those things on on the little iPad screen. I mean, they must have. I can't imagine how much time they spent balancing and testing this because uh, just the, there are no rules. There's no there's no uh, access. Uh, there's no German traffic rules. There are no uh, bridge blowing rules, and these are all things that in a Battle of the Bulge game, that's that's what games use to try to um, uh, to try to sort of model these problems that the Germans had. I mean, the Germans had terrible problems. Uh, the, you know, the the terrain was so difficult to travel over. You know, they, the the um, different formations had these very uh, explicitly mapped routes. They had to, you know, you have to get on this road. You have to stay on this road. This is the only way through this, you know, th- through this forest. Um, and the fact that the Americans were able to um, to to block certain roads just completely through the whole access timetable uh, off kilter, there's none of that in the game yet. You still feel that problem, right? I mean, you have if there were if there were well, there there it's not in the game explicitly in the sense that you know no you you can't blow up a bridge, but the movement rules are subtle, right? In terms of yes, like, that's oh, what okay, I mean. You, you can you know going from certain hexes to certain hexes, you'll only be able to get one infantry unit over a, right. in a turn, for instance. Uh, um, and so that you know the reliance on good roads here, right, I, I, is one of the unique things about this battle historically, and right. one of the unique things about this game. It's not something that comes up all that often in wargaming, where you really are going to fight for the what is it, the Veslar Veslam Highway, basically is what I always right. call it, the mm-hmm. one that runs from St. Fifth straight across the middle of the board, right? right? You, and you, that kind of focus on uh, navigable modern terrain, as opposed to, you know, crossing rivers and going over mountains, which we do all the time in, in board gaming, I find really interesting and fun and is well captured here. So um, yeah, it may not be explicit rules, but the the movement rules here are subtle enough that it kind of captures that feeling and forces you to make the same kinds of decisions that you would if you cr- tried to create a hyper accurate Battle of the Bulge game, I think. Right, and just I mean, just the way the map is designed, right? I mean, you have you have uh, uh, you know if there if there were if you if you connected Vieux-Salm to Lulange, which I'm sure I'm slaughtering both of those names, but you know if you if you connected those two with a road, those are those are those are spaces that have uh, both have east-west roads going through them, but no north-south road. Just and the, and where the units show up, you, making a decision of basically one space for where you position, uh, you know one of your armor units basically commits you to a, a certain sort of traffic pattern and sort of a, a you know a, a, a an axis of advance for that unit unless you're willing to you know basically waste an entire turn uh, which is an entire day um, to try to you know reroute that unit it might take even longer than that and that's the kind of thing that um, 
that the the you know real combatants had to deal with and here it's it's just the the way the map works makes you forces all those decisions on you but it's it's i mean it's just the map there's no extra rule for that um there's just to design that's i'm so sort of impressed by the way that the uh the designers were able to uh sort of incorporate the balance of the game the simplicity of the game the design that allows the interface to be so smooth and then just all the nuances of the battle that are all built into the map i mean and and to the rules and to everything else about it and and the only the only price that they paid was that it's completely ahistorical it's not a it's it's not a a bulge game in any sense of the the word in terms of uh i mean it's 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 easily the most uh pro-german bulge game i've ever played well the i mean to start with they balance out the forces right the germans start super strong right and they and they stay strong all the way through well they they well they stay strong um unless they start taking uh start taking damage to their armored units in which case they become brittle very fast right but they certainly don't start with anything like the historical problems that they were facing well which they but, we mean where they the the armor didn't basically couldn't uh attack until the infantry had clear yes that, exactly stuff like I mean, well they they try to capture that in the there is a first turn rule there to try to capture that but i mean it's fairly inconsequential yeah well julian tell me about so you said that you started because i i i and i think troy did also where we sort of approached the game saw that it was really slick but at the beginning i was just like oh great we've got a slick war game that's completely broken um you know i basically am going to play it twice from one side once from the other side and i figured it all out and and we're done right, right. i, mean, I remember just, talking to you about when yeah. it, when it released and you were basically like oh this game is not for me it's yeah. doing about 12 things wrong but then you clearly warmed up to it right well i, I warmed up to it because i actually played you and then well right. of course that was that actually put me more off the game because there's a terrible bug in the game that uh that allowed you to win the game when <laughs> <laughs> clearly it was a, the, the rule. I mean, it didn't account for a rule um, where there's an automatic victory provision in the first. If you can get a German unit across the Meuse River by the 19th, uh, by the evening of the 19th, uh, the Germans win the game. Provision is that unit has to be in supply. So Julian shoots, uh, you know, shoots a Panzer, uh, you know, across into Namur, I think, I, or I can't remember where it went, but. Uh, uh, anyway, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> sucker, cut you off. Boom. Cut me so, off, right. Yeah, I just cut him off, and I was like, I'll, I'll just deal with that. And, and and if the game had been working properly, that would have you know, sat there and uh, basically become uh, uh, isolated and then become easy pickings. And then all of a sudden, the game ends. I'm like, what? And uh turns out that there's a, there's a bug which uh, gives the Axis uh, credit for crossing the river with unsupplied armor. And so um, that's uh, apparently it's it's been acknowledged <laughs> by the developers and and is in the first patch that's coming out. Yes, which, I, I I had a great time imagining you like smashing your iPad over your knee. However, I was like, was, well, I was I was before, I was like, what? There's got to be a rule that I don't understand. Yeah. And then no, believe me, I thought I'd lost too because I was like, I mean, I thought I'd lost the whole game. So I was like, what the hell? I'll run the Panzer over, right? Right, and maybe something, you know, maybe he'll walk through and something bad will happen. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so um, I mean, so that's basically what happened. You know, I played you, and I saw that you know the decisions I was making against the AI were completely different from the decisions I was making against you. And then I played some other people, and I was like, "Wait a minute, this game is a lot better than I thought." And then, actually, interestingly enough, it took the AI. The AI actually beat me um, when I was playing as the allies, and um, because the AI 
the eye really can't uh, can't handle the axis um, very well. It gets it gets cut off and that kind of thing um, too easily. But as the allies, um, oh, sorry, uh, um, I'm sorry, the game can't can't handle playing as the allies because I think the axis are apart. But when you're playing the allies, I think you're playing. The way the AI plays, you're playing at a little bit of a disadvantage. And um, I was in one particular game where uh, the Germans just, I mean, I think every combat that I was in, they just wiped out everything that I had. I mean, they just it was one of those outlier games. And so what happened was the game lasted longer and kind of got past the allied counterattack part. And then I started counterattacking. I was like, wait a minute. This part of the game is actually really interesting, and it's really well done, and I would never have found this if the, you know, if the random results had not been, you know, so out of whack at the beginning that really put me at a disadvantage, and it sort of gave the Germans such a, I mean, I was really fighting to sort of keep the Germans from from getting their victory point threshold, and then I was counterattacking, and I couldn't counter, and I'd course didn't realize how fast you have to counterattack in this game because the germans were still accumulating points for you know their base you know the 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 base victory point objectives that you get as the germans um unless you're really incompetent and then all of a sudden the game was over and and i hadn't counterattacked fast enough i lost and i was like oh wow this game really flips and it's very interesting and i wonder what it'd be like against a person so i started you know i played even more people and then i think the people that are playing started to have more experience and then all of a sudden i was seeing games that were lasting longer and longer and i really got the idea that this is a really i mean just almost a perfectly balanced uh two-player game in which the ai just can't cope and i'm very very sympathetic to that kind of uh design it it really reminds me of the old avalon hill board games where uh, you know, people sort of learned the game and they learned the ins and outs and then you just played it and you saw what people are doing. Like, yeah, that's that move and I'm going to make this move. And then you saw what the dice did and then you laughed about it over a beer afterwards. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess my experience, maybe, you know, I, I played maybe three games against the AI before I started jumping into multiplayer matches mm-hmm. and, um, I sort of have never gone back. I mean, I, I've only, really only played multiplayer since. I mean, I haven't really tested the AI all that much. I, you know, I played a couple AI games on an airplane, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, d- this game really does shine where you've got, you know, four or five games going at the same time in an evening, and you're sort of sitting there on the couch, and you're going from game to game to game to game as people are sending their turns back to you, right? It's a very satisfying way to play. You're, mm-hmm. you're sort of, um, because everything is on the board, the history doesn't really matter, which right. I which I always think is great for these kinds of asynchronous uh, right. board game like experiences, right? I mean, this is a problem I have with, um, uh, you know, trying to play, uh, you know, uh, a few acres of snow online. There's an asynchronous version of that, which yeah. is which is very well done, but it can be a little bit confusing to be playing three or four games of that at the same time because there history does matter. You've built a card deck. Uh, you know that yes. you have to sort of reset your experience here. You can just look at the board and you know exactly what's happened. Very much like chess, right? You mm-hmm. look at the chess board. Mm-hmm. The past doesn't matter whatsoever, right? It's you're just looking at the current situation, which I find very satisfying. Um, and so I played a ton of this in the first couple of weeks when it came out. And then I think what started to get to me is not that the game doesn't have plenty of potential, but the potential relies so much on the other player to bring it. 
right? The, the complexity of the game is the complexity of the strategy your opponent brings to the table. The right. game pieces remain very, right. yep. very stable, right? Yep. You're never mm-hmm. going to see something particularly new. It's like, oh, okay, you know, this time when the counterattack came, I had you know, nine guys over the river and were fighting for the pinch in the middle to try to cut me off. And this time he, you know, brought everything from the north and I wasn't expecting that or whatever, right? So it, all of the complexity has to come from your opponent doing things you haven't seen before. And that means, frankly, you just have to play an awful lot of these games to start seeing that. Right. Um, and so it, it, I just sort of faded on a little bit. I, I still mm-hmm. love it. I played it a little bit more today just to sort of get in the spirit of doing the podcast. And I hadn't played it in maybe, I don't know, two weeks. It was probably the last time I'd played the game. Um, but But I still sort of feel like I want just a little bit more. Like it's just a little on the simplistic side for me for it to really have the legs that I would hope it has. Mm-hmm. It's funny because the, what you're describing is exactly that is exactly the reason that I love the game. I mean that that is the game that I'm looking for is the game that people can study and learn, and then once like you said, you bring the game to the game, and uh, I mean it's it's a very sort of uh, completely multiplayer focused uh design where people are expected to study the game and um people are expected to sort of you know they bring their own style and their their own mastery and then the the enjoyment is 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 sort of experiencing the other players mastery of the game and seeing how well they do things and and then having to respond to their you know to their their level of expertise and i was reminded i was looking at at um when i was when i was sort of writing my review i actually wrote two reviews of this game one which i wrote before i had done much multiplayer and it was much more negative than the one that i finally ended up writing um which i'm glad i i didn't uh, ended up end up going with the first one but um the thing that that got me was i was looking at some of these these um tournaments for old board games specifically things like um like the russian campaign which i had been been revisiting because i'm writing a a series about war in the east and um the the russian campaign terms i was just reading about some things that they had online there wasn't much but um first of all they had the same you know 10 guys sort of traded who was you know who was the champion of Russian campaign that year? They're all right. like from uh, you know uh, Avalon. What what I remember as being Avalon Con, but I guess turned into the World Board Gaming Championships. But um, you know these guys have all played this game a bazillion times, and there's discussion of this strategy versus that strategy, and you know this guy with using this kind of strategy comes up against this other guy using some other kind of strategy. And I mean, I just feel it's kind of like I mean. I guess it must be like StarCraft for old people or something. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just this, it's this, this sort of. Compl- Almost it's like a sport. Yeah. Well, but, it, but yeah. And it, but it's just, it's sort of this, it's this obsession and sort of, sort of commitment to mastery of, first of all, something that's completely irrelevant, but just really, I really, I really appreciate these guys that have, played this game for you know decades and they have you know they probably just they remember this thing and they 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 have all these stories to tell and they can when somebody starts playing they can kind of see what's going on and and you're all i mean you're playing the game like you're playing uh um uh it's just it's just it's such a it's such a part of your experience and and you've sort of internalized so much about the game and 
you don't get that really in many war games anymore because the the whole war game experience and unity command is really the one that i think is is so it, it's such an object lesson uh in the the direction that war games have gone which is that it's all even though it's simple and even though it's streamlined and even though you know it's it's so unlike a lot of the very um technically demanding uh games that are out these days it's really focused on allowing a single player to kind of go through the game and sort of uncover it at his pace or his or her pace and you know it, it sort of reveals itself on the at, you know at the sort of at the game's tempo on the game schedule you have a campaign you see all the scenarios you try to master all the scenarios and then you're done right i mean that's it i mean what's the right. point once you once you've played sure. all the scenarios on the master you know whatever the the expert uh level or even if you've you've gotten all the all the all the objectives and i'm not saying it's bad i'm i'm, I'm just saying that to me the idea of a game that sort of demands that you and your opponent really have studied the game or or it doesn't right i mean otherwise you know two people who don't really understand the game at all um, i'm sure it's you know very challenging and interesting to them as well but it it's going to keep rewarding you for knowing about the game as long as your opponent does as well and right. so that's the kind of game that just lasts forever because people just but it's, it's chess or advanced squad leader right. or any other classic that people yeah. still go back to time and time again, right? Because it does reward that sort of continuous study of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wonder, you know, what the pathway for Shenandoah here is. Do they release expansions to this? I mean, they've clearly mastered the art of bringing a certain style of game to the iPad. Um, I would hope that they're going to take that skill set and that team and do a bunch of other stuff that we can all give them ten bucks for too. Doesn't has anybody chatted with them about that? Well, they're they're doing a part of the Kickstarter was that they were going to do an LL main game, which I I yeah. think oh, is fantastic. Yeah, I mean that was the 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 Kickstarter uh, one of the Kickstarter tiers was you would just basically I mean you you got both games, um, and 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 interestingly enough, they're also both. Um, uh, I, I was I had just briefly exchanged uh, messages with uh, Eric Lee Smith, and he had mentioned that um, they prototype all of their games as board games because that makes sense. Yeah. The, yeah, I mean, if if it work, they they feel that if it works as a board game, it'll work on the iPad, and it's kind of up to them to design the type of board game that the iPad will be able to handle. And I mean, heck, if they release an LL main game that had the same, I mean, just. Uh, go crazy for this stuff i mean it's just uh um he says he he uh he said that um they have big plans for their company and i i i really i really i'm i'm thrilled to see what they can come up with uh i'm i'm assuming that they're not just going to have one system uh and just you know keep releasing sort of variations on that although um, you know, that's how board gaming was for, for decades. They, which they is, certainly yeah. could, and I think yeah. I'd, I'd pay for it, right? Yeah. I mean, you could take oh, this exact same system right. and, and you know, either make an expansion or just make, you know, a different different conflict, different, mm-hmm. you know, tweak it here and there. Um, you know, I, I do hope that as they uh, – I, I hope they're judicious in adding complexity, right? I would love to see a little more complexity, a little more variability, a little more variety. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't want them to – go whole hog there and destroy what's so clear and perfect about this. Now I was, I was just sitting here thinking about 
how much more am I going to play this game? I mean, you said, you know, this is a game that could go on forever because people will be rewarded for studying it. And I realized that I think my preferred way of playing this would be when I have people over at my house to actually sit on the couch next to somebody and mm-hmm. just play the game back and forth. I mean, I, you can't do it on one iPad, I don't think. But everybody yeah, you I know pretty much... You can't? It, ju- it you just, can just says... Pa- it's just pa- it's a, it, it, we just uh, found this out tonight. You just hit the thing and it says, uh, time to pass the iPad. Really? That's very cool. Yeah. Um, but even without doing that, right? I, you know, I, uh, there's everybody I know has an iPad at this point pretty much, except right. for Rob Sackney. Poor, <laughs> poor schmuck. Yeah. Um, that that this is one of the things that I think would be very rewarding to be in the same room and play that way, um, which is all, which would be a, a whole new kind of experience. Yeah, um, I I think that uh, the things that make good board games um, are all present in in Battle of the Bulge. Mm-hmm. So you could certainly play it that way. Maybe like playing a board game that you know you could sit on the sofa, which is uh, frankly right. to me it's uh, that means you could also the other hand you could hold a beer. So. <laughs> So I think that'll be fine. Our priorities are completely yeah, exactly. in place. Well, you know, I've been I've monopolized a lot of this because I'm so crazy about this game, but I haven't really heard a lot of from Troy about. I mean, Troy, what what's your experience with this game, and and how how uh, how did how did your path, sort of your 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 um, assimilation or my assimilation was. More, a lot in single player because I did discover quite quickly just how quickly this. I mean, this, the AI isn't great. I'm not going to pretend that the AI is going to put up a great, amazing fight. Uh, but just seeing the variability and how each different session would play out, um, how clear and simple the rules were. That's really the the big thing for me. I mean, it's. Uh, I know in our comment thread was saying, "Well, why is this on the PC? Why is this on the PC?" And I already have this these nightmares of if this was being designed for the PC immediately they would have started adding menus right right because that's what the PC does I mean this is I mean this is one of uh, there's this whole side of you know game studies which is about platform studies and how the platform how you have to really understand the game you have to know what platform mm-hmm. was designed for like if you want to play an, if you really want to understand an Atari game, you got to play it on an Atari. And emulators not going to give you right. the same experience. It's just going to it's yeah, completely that. different. And this is really such an iPad thing that even if it does get ported to the PC, it's going to lose something because there is something about the touching and the moving and the clarity. It is, it is, it is a native system game. It is at home here much more than. You know, all these board games that are being ported to the iPad and really, really well done. This is designed for it, and it, that just jumped out at me immediately. But in the game itself, it was the clarity of the rule system. It was how you know these four AIs. There are two uh, allied AIs, two uh, Axis AIs, and for each of them, one is cautious and one is not so cautious. That's pretty much it. One aggressive or cautious AIs for each. Um, and there's not a whole lot of difference between this, some difference between them, but unless you've played them a whole lot of times, you're not going to really feel that out. But just, as you mentioned, Bruce, the, the, the snowballing of little things happening, because the rules are so simple. I mean, we've talked about chess. It's kind of like the, the soccer of war games. Because <laughs> there, there are just so few rules to it. And it just just one little thing can go wrong and you can see the consequences spilling out, like many turns ahead, um, and this will affect your entire plan. You, you, it's like it's like losing a, a bishop on your fourth move mm-hmm. in chess, and you 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 already you, your attacks already screwed up. So you, 
this changes your entire approach. But the rules are simple enough that there are ways around that. There are alternatives. And the other guy could screw up too. You could have a bad bad roll, bad luck. Um, and, and I just liked how variable it was. How there isn't... There are certainly better moves, especially for the Axis going on. There is probably an ideal move uh, for the for the Germans. I mean, there's, you mean there the are first best move? things that they can do. See, I, I don't... Yeah. See, I don't... In the, even, the first to, in that way, I think... They're all there. There may be, um, I think they're actually a couple, but it also depends on what you want to do, right? Because the first move, yeah. if you want to, you know, have a sort of a bastone sort of Western strategy versus the, uh, you know, southwestern strategy right. versus, uh, you know, going throwing everything at, you know, Liege and, and trying to go up uh, up the north side and just do a conventional kind of approach to the game. I mean, it depends on how you want to play the rest of the game, right? So, I mean, mm. yeah, there. There, there are some, there, 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 yes, there's, I mean, there's some perfect plan to the game, but of course, um, you know, they're, they're, the perfect plan is going to get thrown off just by the fact that the surprise attacks can, can vary. And, and, and there's one particular surprise attack. If you, if 14th Cavalry, uh, retreats to, to Malmody, um, they can, that, uh, the armor unit there and 14th Cav can move to St. Vith and then, uh, kind of throws off the whole German timetable. So the game, from the very, you know, from 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 the first impulse, plays completely differently, and so yes, I agree that there are perfect paths to the to the game. Um, the thing I wanted to mention about um, about the fact that the game wouldn't work on the PC uh, is that I feel sort of vindicated. I've been I've been I've been writing uh, for years, and I think I when I was writing in the magazine uh, in Computer Gaming World, I would write this over and over, and people would write to me and say you're an idiot, and I was like, yeah, well, whatever, maybe, but I still believe this. Um, was that um, that people needed to design simpler games, and I guess I was arguing for something that on a platform. I mean, the the this kind of game, the pe- reason people weren't designing these games was that there wasn't a platform for it, and and putting this on the PC, the, the game would immediately feel too simple, and people would feel ripped off, and they say, you know, why doesn't this cost? Yeah. You know, I mean, the PC you'd sell it for you know nineteen ninety nine, and people would be like, oh, you know, that's a, you know, this should be you know a bargain bin something whatever. It's not. There's no the, the appreciation and the expectations for the game were completely different from the PC platform, and all of a sudden the iPad showed up, and now you have a platform that completely supports the type of gameplay that you know that I was arguing for when, you know, and I, I, I guess in a way I was wrong because, you know, things that I was arguing for weren't going to work on the PC, uh, and, and, and the, time and time again they didn't, uh, and now we have uh, a platform that all this stuff, you know, people, people can design, um, can design crazy stuff uh, now that sort of Shenandoah, I think, I hopefully has showed that it's financially viable to... Uh, to go in this direction. Yeah, I hope it's sold a crap load. Yeah, I, they, I hope they make a bazillion dollars off of this and can all basically spend all their time uh, designing uh, iPad war games because that's yep. that's what I'm waiting for. I mean, they have a real all-star team working yes. there. I mean, there's just such an array of talent uh, at that studio that I really do hope um, something comes of it beyond this one game. They don't have to go into Kickstarter. That This becomes uh, something they can just count on there being an audience yeah. for. Well, I mean, they really did knock it out of the park, too. I mean, didn't they... They um, We talked just a few weeks ago, I guess, with Tom Chick about Phantom Leader uh, and Solitaire yeah. board games and how... I mean, how comp- Phantom Leader is a wonderful design, and Dan Verson, I think, has really 
uh, come up with something special with that with that series. But that iPad interface was so pedestrian, and I think it really takes the uh, uh, you know I think what he probably did was he had you know he sort of outsourced his um, his uh, uh, game to somebody you know he I mean, I'm sure he doesn't have any um, any technical development experience, and so. He just said, "Look, we, I need to. Somebody needs to make a, a an iPad version of this game. Here, I'll pay you this money, and 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 here's what you get." Whereas, uh, I think Shenandoah, you know, really assembled a group of people that had the technical chops to pull off what they really knew they needed to do, which was get a design yeah. that worked for the iPad, but then an implementation that felt like the most polished, you know, pop cap game. Uh, which it does. I mean, and and now that people have shown that it can be done, I'm just waiting for other other people to say, "Oh wow, you know, I I really should try to make my design that slick and that polished." Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned in your review, Bruce, I mean, this is a well documented uh, game. I mean, it's everything you need to know is right there because in front of the of you, the, the design. The I think, yeah, 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 and that's so uh, it's something that we look for in a good war game where things are clear. Um, and it's um, it's really a triumph. Um, and I I'm enjoying it, even though I'm I have a lot of multiplayer games going right now because I put up the call for people to add me to their uh, game center list. So I think I've added like twelve friends in the last hmm. week or okay. so. People who want to play either play the game or just now finding what my game center name is. So I could end up playing, God knows what, with them Tigris and Euphrates or mm-hmm. something. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's uh, it's a great game. Um, please check it out. There will be a link to it, um, of course, in the description, and also links to uh, the uh, board game geek uh, bios of some of these great game designers. So you can check out some of their war games uh, if you can find them and learn some of the great stuff these guys have done. I'll put links to those as well, as well as links to Bruce's uh, review on Quarter to Three. And if Julian ever writes something or has a podcast or mentions the Game for the Jobs podcast before this goes up Monday. He probably won't. Um, <laughs> but if he does, I'll link to that too. Uh, next week, um, I think Rob's going to do the uh, 2012 retrospective. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday, and we're really glad to be back here again. Say goodnight, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.